Well, there's a song that's been in my mind for about a month now, maybe even a bit longer. And although it's not uh, the normal music I would listen to, I feel like it has been somewhat of a, a bit of an encouragement uh, to me in these last days. The song's called Keep Holding On. And as I was praying and thinking about what I would share today, uh, that, that phrase, keep holding on, uh, kept popping in my head. And I went to the book of Hebrews uh, where we see this phrase that's used that uh, is, is uh, in there that says, hold fast. And, uh, and so I'm going to land in Hebrews today, uh, and hopefully uh, I'm not the only one that needs this encouragement and to hear this. Uh, just a really honest moment uh, to begin with. If I ask you if you have to go pee during the service, it's because in the Holy Home we started uh, potty training this week, and so I feel like I have to ask that about every 15 minutes. And uh, anyways, what a great example of perseverance. Uh, if you're a parent and you are in the throes of potty training, uh, just want to encourage you, uh, keep holding on, this too shall pass. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10, if you have your Bibles, and we're going to be reading uh, beginning at verse 19. And in the NLT, uh, which I'm using today, this, uh, this passage is titled, A Call to Persevere. And I'll read it as we begin. Beginning at verse 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Well, this is really a key passage in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews as a whole book uh, can be split a number of ways, but uh, uh, in, if you split it into three sections, uh, you could split it this way. The first part of the book talks about the superiority of Christ. The second part talks about the superiority of the new covenant or the new way of Christ. And the third urges us to take some actions because of the truth of these first two. And so in light of the fact uh, that Jesus and his way is superior and he has fulfilled for us all that was symbolized in the old covenant, we can embrace this new way with full confidence. And there are things that we should strive to do. And we're going to look at a few of those uh, things today. But let me pray as we open our time together. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word and the truth uh, of it. And God, that we can read it today, that we can gather, even though we're apart, God, all over the region, we're gathering together in your name uh, to glean some truth from your word. And so Holy Spirit, uh, meet us where we're at, uh, be in our midst, and uh, teach us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, to better understand this passage that I read uh, this morning, uh, we can split it up as well in a few ways. Uh, and so uh, we're going to look at three specific things. The first one encourages us in our relationship with God. 
Uh, the second one encourages us in our relationship with the world around us. And the third one encourages us in our relationship with each other as followers of Christ. And so first off, uh, looking at verse 19, the first challenge that we see here is for us to go right into the very presence of God. And we read this, and so, at this, this, these two words in verse 19 as we begin, and so, signifies that this is a response to something. To what? Uh, because of this sacrifice, because of this new covenant, uh, the first 18 verses of this chapter here, the writer is giving us the picture of the, of the old covenant, the sacrificial system, and then brings us to this, the truth of the sufficiency of Christ in his sacrifice on the cross once and for all. And so because of what Christ has done, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. And so I want to review a few things here that, it's, that the writer says God has given us through Christ. First, the writer speaks of boldness. Now, he's not saying that you need to go out and, and work hard to build up boldness. He's talking about the boldness that we already have because of who we are in Christ. It isn't about us feeling bold. It's a statement about the confidence that we should have because we have been given the, the right to enter freely uh, into God's presence. When you think back to the old covenant and the temple system, uh, this call for us to enter into God's presence is for us to enter into the holy of holies. This was the inner area of the tabernacle that only the high priest was able to enter once a year. And even then it was only on a specific day and after a whole bunch of rituals and sacrifices and blood. If anyone else dared to enter into the space, uh, or if the high priest entered any other time or way, it would have meant death. But now, in this new covenant that Christ brought us into, we are given the right to enter into the space and with God freely, with confidence, knowing that God accepts us completely. No fear of punishment or judgment, not because of anything that we have already done, but as it says here, because of the blood of Jesus. We have a freedom to draw as close to God as any human can. It says here, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way. A, a new way, speaking about this new covenant versus the old covenant. A life-giving way, speaking of the, 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 the living relationship that we have with God compared to the old relationship that was entered into uh, by death and sacrifices. In the old covenant, uh, in the tabernacle, there was a veil. Uh, it was likely uh, three to four inches thick, and it was meant to separate the sinner from God. But Jesus did away with that veil, and we read in Matthew 27, uh, we see that when he took our sins uh, on the cross on his own body, uh, that this veil was torn in two from top to bottom signifying that there is now no barrier in place to keep us out of a full fellowship with God if we have put our faith in Jesus. 
Secondly, he speaks of uh, the high priest that God has given us in Christ. Jesus isn't like the high priests of the old covenant. Uh, they needed sacrifices and, and forgiveness for their own sins, and they grew old and died and changed as well. But Jesus is the perfect high priest of this new covenant that replaces the old one. His work is complete and it's never ending. Nothing in the old covenant was forgotten. It was completely fulfilled in Jesus. If we flip back a page to chapter 9, we read more about this in Hebrews chapter 9, uh, starting at verse 11. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse, you, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. With what Jesus has given us, the writer urges us to go right into the very Holy of Holies for full fellowship with God. And we can do this with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. Why? Because there's nothing shady going on here. We're not, we're not sneaking in. Everything that we need to enter God's presence has been given to us in Jesus. There's no worry about getting thrown out because we're not supposed to be in there. We stand in the grace of God by faith and only by faith, and he welcomes us fully into his fellowship. We can do this because our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. Thinking back on our past sins, uh, and ways may tempt us to hold back from going into God's presence. But this is one of the tricks of the enemy. It's actually one of his names. In Revelation, he's named the accuser. He actually really enjoys reminding you of your past. But we are clean of these. In Romans 4, uh, verse 25, the Apostle Paul tells us, He was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. Whether it's your past sins that pop up or your current temptations that are trying to hold you back, if you've placed your faith in Jesus' work on the cross, you can enter God's presence, confess your sins, and thank God for his forgiveness and have full confidence before his throne. Like the old song says, Jesus really has paid it all. And we can do this since our bodies have been washed with pure water. When God looks at us, he, see, he doesn't see uh, just our sins forgiven. He sees us pure and whole as we should be and as we will be in heaven, made new through Jesus. The more we understand how God sees us and what we have been given and who we are and where we live in Christ, the more we will enter his presence with confidence. We can and should go regularly right into the presence of God. 
Secondly, let's hold tightly without wavering. This first challenge that we looked at is all about our relationship with God. The second challenge is about our relationship with the world around us. The first people that would have been reading this letter would have been Jewish believers, and they would have been facing this temptation to revert to the old covenant, the old uh, ways of Judaism. And by doing so, they would be avoiding suffering and persecution from the world around them. But the writer here encourages them, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. The hope we affirm speaks to the gospel and what we believe that it says about Jesus. The challenge here is to hold tightly without wavering. No matter what we may endure because of what we believe, we need to stand firm in it. We need not to be afraid to publicly declare that our faith and our trust is in him. We aren't alone in this, and we can be sure that God understands and that he gives us the grace to help us when we need it. Earlier in Hebrews, uh, in chapter 4, we're encouraged. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There will we receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Note the second part of this challenge. The assurance we have, the confidence we have, isn't based in us, but in God. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. God has promised us an eternity based on our faith in Jesus, and he is faithful. He can be trusted. He isn't going to fail on any of his promises. The Apostle Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 1, and beginning at verse 4, I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts that he has given you. Now that you belong to Christ Jesus, through him, God has enriched your church in every way, with all of your eloquent words and all of your knowledge. This confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this, for he is faithful to do what he says, and he has invited you into partnership with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Our eternity in Christ is certain. God is infinitely and eternally faithful. And we can, we can and we should hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm because of who he is, no matter the situation, no matter what is happening in our world, even to death. So let's go right into the presence of God regularly. Let's hold tightly without wavering. And the third challenge that we see in this passage, let's think of ways to motivate one another. This first challenge had to do with our relationship with God. The second challenge had to do with our relationship to the world around us. But this third has to do with our relationship to one another. He writes, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. 
The writer began this passage, uh, this section that we've been looking at today in verse 19 by referring to his readers as brothers and sisters in brothers and sisters. And so we as well as brothers and sisters in Christ are to set a high priority upon our relationship with one another. I think that this is one of the hardest things about this uh, pandemic. Uh, we aren't meant to be loners in our, in our walk, in our Christian faith, but together in our walk with Jesus. And this just feels so much harder when we aren't, when we aren't able to gather, but there are ways that we can still do this. This is God's plan for us to be together forever in Christ. But what are we motivating each other for? to do acts of love and good works. As we think of each other and as we encourage each other, this is all about Jesus' call for us to love one another. Jesus said people will, will actually know that we are his followers by our love one for another. This was his new commandment that he gave to us. It's not just an emotional love, it's a, it's a love uh, that's in action. It's got to go beyond just saying that we're in this together and result in acts of love and good works for each other. And because of this, we need to respond uh, to this challenge with regular participation. We do this by being a part of regularly meeting together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm just going to call it what it is uh, as it is uh, today. Uh, you know, there's a real temptation out there especially now in times of isolation, to withdraw from the local church, to withdraw from the local body of Christ, and to not be in regular contact with other Christians. There's a temptation for us to be indifferent to church, uh, to think that the large Sunday morning gathering for corporate worship is no longer needed, and we need to really push back hard against this. The scriptures are very specific about that here. Online services has, has increased this temptation. For some of you, and, and I do this as well, uh, we're watching uh, lots of different online services every week. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's, there's millions of churches around the world, uh, tens of thousands of denominations, and many of these we can, be, we can be part of online now. But let me encourage you to stay connected to the local church. While their teaching may be incredible and their worship may be super engaging, this can never be church as it's meant to be. Your local church offers you something that these churches can't. People around you that genuinely love and care about you, that live in the same community, that are able to be there to show love and offer help when you need it. A place where you in return can love and serve others and grow in community. This is church. It's the people. In times of isolation or, or persecution, uh, when the local church is dismissed as a thing of the past, I think it's even more important that we commit to keeping connected together in whatever way and, what, and at whatever level we can. If you're watching us online from outside the area, uh, we are pleased that you have joined us. But let me encourage you to find a local church to connect with if you don't already have one. When all of this is over, you're going to need a place to experience true church together in person with other Christians. Uh, if you're in the Grey Bruce area uh, and you find yourself in a bad spot, uh, please reach out to us here at Sobel Church. 
we have ways and resources to help you in your time of need. You need to know that you aren't alone, that we are all in this together, and we want to do more than just say that. So I hope that this passage is an encouragement to you today. In light of all that Christ has done for us as people of Jesus, to keep holding on. Let's go regularly right into the very presence of God with confidence, with boldness. Let's hold tightly without wavering to the faith that we know. Let's think of ways that we can motivate one another, whatever the situation that we're in. Let's pray. God, we thank you uh, that you are, are not a distant God. You are a God who is right here uh, with us, even in the middle of uh, what we're going through currently. God, we thank you for these challenges from your word that we've looked at today. God, thank you that we can enter right into the very, your very presence, your very throne room, uh, and we can do this with, with confidence and with boldness uh, because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. God, thank you that we can stand boldly uh, with unwavering faith in a world that has so much uncertainty. God, we can be certain about who we are in you. And so give us the boldness to publicly and clearly communicate uh, where our trust and our faith is. It's in our Lord Jesus Christ. And God, help us to encourage and motivate uh, each other to good works and to acts of love because that's what the church is really about. It's about caring for one another, being there for each other in the good and the bad. And so God, may we be your hands and feet, not just to each other, but, uh, but to those around us as well that just need to experience your love. And so God, uh, by your spirit, empower us to do each of these things. Uh, we love you and we praise you and we just ask for your guidance in Jesus' name. Amen.